This is Payments Innovation. We take you deep into the DNA of digital finance with some of the most respected voices in the industry. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. In this episode, we are jumping on the hype train and talking all things generative AI in fintech and banking. Is it all hype or are we in a phase of hysteria? Is there actually potential for generative AI, both now and in the future, to drive the next wave of disruption in the fintech and banking sectors? And how are financial organizations actually cutting through the hype surrounding this emerging technology to really capitalize on the right opportunities? I'm your host, Piers Murray. And joining me today is someone I can call a true expert in this space because he is Professor Ram Gopal, Director of the Gilmore Center for Financial Technology and Professor of Information Systems Management at Warwick Business School. Ram, it is an honor and a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining me today to discuss all things AI and Gen AI. So for any of our listeners who don't know you, could you give us a bit of information about what you and the team are up to at the Gilmore Center? My research and teaching interests are in everything with tech and business. And I had our Gilmore Center for Financial Technology. That's a very exciting initiative from the Warwick Business School. And our charge is to engage in cutting edge research that can present a step change in the fintech sector for UK and beyond. So I guess there is absolutely no better place to start than with the buzzword of the moment, Gen AI or, or generative AI. And, and talk a bit about this term sprung out of nowhere in the last year, but AI as a concept is not new. So what is AI? What is Gen AI? And, and what's the difference between the two? So essentially, AI is a set of technologies that will help mimic human activities. And for AI to work traditionally, you needed a lot of data. And the finance sector actually is quite fortunate in the sense that it's basically all about data. Now, one way I would characterize AI is as narrow intelligence. So you essentially feed lots and lots of data about one particular domain and AI learns as much as it can. Gen AI to me is a, is a step change for two reasons. One thing that it does differently and that's what fascinates most folk is that it creates content. But to me, the bigger part of it is that it embodies the vast general knowledge that's available on the internet. So the difference between AI and Gen AI in simple terms is that AI traditionally has been about narrow intelligence. Gen AI is about broad intelligence. And if you combine narrow intelligence with broad intelligence, that's when you can begin to see the potential of how this uh, technology can be transformative. Fantastic. Can you give us a bit more background about how and where you've seen generative AI actually start to be used, come to life in the fintech and banking, banking sectors over the past couple of years or so? So I think it's useful to break it down into use of generative AI at the organization level and the individual. Now, at the organization level, the most common application that I see is what I call talk to data. So yes, you can use uh, chat GPT, GPT-4, to gain general knowledge. But if you want knowledge, uh, information, uh, activities related to your own organization, then what you need to do is fine-tune generative AI to work for your business. One offshoot of that is chatbots. There are a lot of bespoke chatbots that are trained on organizational intelligence. It's also being used a lot for 
coding. And this is a result of that. Lots of the AI algorithms that we see in financial sector will start to get better and better. Financial analysis is an excellent example because there's huge amounts of financial information, right? reports and so on. And finally, I think it's also being used quite a bit for onboarding, onboarding new consumers or your onboarding new employees. I think it's a, it's a fascinating use case, especially in the, in, in the finance sector. Now, this is what I see at the organization level, but it's the individual level of generative AI usage that's really fascinating to me. Many employees in many sectors, not just finance, are actually using generative AI as part of the job. Their organizations don't know about it. It's underreported and it's undermanaged. And I think that's where organizations need to spend a lot more of their focus in terms of how their employees are using Gen AI. It could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. The issue for companies is to figure out how do you encourage the right use at the same time, make sure that, that there are no negative consequences to the organization. Brilliant. And I love the way that you've split that across those levels. I find it quite interesting, especially in that onboarding use case where the potential role for generative AI actually starts to span industry, organization and individual, where there are data points about an individual, maybe PII, personally identifiable information points that then start to contribute into that wider onboarding process. And from an anti-fraud perspective at an industry level, there has to be some level of interest in wider shared data sets, you know, uh, using models like this to be able to transform and reduce um, things like fraud at, at an industry level. Um, but I guess that that, that is a, a hard concept to try and achieve, to try and span those different layers that you've, you've articulated. It is. And uh, if you think about what generative AI is, Essentially, what generative AI does is to bring the cost of intelligence close to zero. And if you look at it from an intelligence perspective, I think it's at the individual level that it has most value. And that sounds like a really key point to me. I love that. Bringing the cost of intelligence close to zero. Absolutely. I, I think all of the finance uh, and banking is built on intelligence. So as the cost of that intelligence goes to zero, I think that has really interesting uh, implications. So in terms of implications, that takes us to, to a bit of a forward-looking state to the, to the future over the next few years. And, and actually, we got a bit meta in terms of thinking about the future of generative AI. We went to Bard and asked what the future of generative AI would look like. So asking a Gen AI tool to talk about the future of AI. And there were some really interesting topics that came out, things like hyper-personalization, democratization of financial services, the rise of sort of chatbots, con conversational AI, I think we've, we've touched on XAI as well. Explainable AI was a, a concept that came out. But in terms of implications in the future, do those things resonate with what you're seeing and, and, and specifically within the fintech and banking spaces? Yeah, I do agree in part with what Bart says. I think hyper-personalization is an interesting trend that we will see. Um, beyond that, there are a couple of things that, uh, that strike me as exciting for the future. One trend is what I call the two eyes opening, intelligence and identity. One of the things that Gen AI is going to enable is the creation of uh, deep fakes and deep fake media. So I think it's slowly getting to a point where it's very difficult to distinguish between what's real versus what is fake. And I think if this is where some of the crypto blockchain technologies come into play. To me, one of the most exciting aspects of the future in the finance space is the convergence 
of, of generative AI and crypto. The generative AI is the intelligence and the crypto blockchain is the identity. And there are a few other things that I think will happen and you'll see early research demonstrating the value of this. One is what are called reasoning engines. So what generative AI is really good at, 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 at its core, is given a bunch of context, it predicts what is the most likely next word is. So it's a really good prediction, but it does not really have advanced reasoning. So I think you'll start to see um, new reasoning agents that are embedded into language models. So that, that enable us to take really complex tasks that require lots of analysis, uh, complicated decision-making, Things like that, if reasoning agents are used in addition to language models, that's where you see some really interesting outcomes. I also agree with Bart that uh, what you'll see is increased uh, democratization and financial inclusion. And mm -hmm. that, I believe, will come from LLMs plus agents. Agents essentially are, I guess, technologies that not only give you some content in response to whatever prompts you have, they can actually undertake some actions on your behalf. And I think that's coming. So I think it's infusion of crypto in the Gen AI, Gen AI space. It's the reasoning abilities and also this agentic framework. I think these are the exciting things from my, from my perspective. This feels slightly space age, actually, to me, but it feels like it's here and it's about to start happening. I guess I'm a, a product person by background and a key part of what I try to focus on is then what some of this actually means for the end customers, whether that's an individual, whether it's a small business, a large business or a corporate. How do you start to see this really benefiting end individuals, customers like you and me or, or, or businesses around the world? In my view, generative AI is, is shifting the pendulum more towards consumers. What Gen AI will do is to empower consumers more. As the cost of intelligence goes to zero, essentially that to me means that in, end consumers are a lot more empowered now. And um, what people used to call information arbitrage, where big financial services companies had such this knowledge that individuals didn't. So there's an information asymmetry. And I would argue that the industry has taken advantage of that. I think that will begin to disappear. And especially once you have uh, this agentic framework, and I think you actually have uh, agents that individual consumers would control and act on their behalf in their best interest, that will shift the pendulum towards consumers. Plus with all the, the new regulation that we're saying, particularly the consumer duty, which essentially acquires financial services companies from not using complicated documents that individual consumers cannot understand. Amazing. And, and this is an extension of a shift that has already started happening over the past decade or so, particularly within financial services. You, you, you touched on the word regulation, and I, I guess no fintech and financial services podcast would be complete without a mention of the regulatory landscape. But this, to me at least, when I step back and think about it, is a, is a fascinating set of cognitive challenges as well going forward of maybe touching on the term of XAI, explainable AI that I mentioned um, earlier on, of how do we as an industry and how do organizations start to embed generative AI into lots of different processes and products and solutions to ultimately give end consumers uh, 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 and, and businesses a better experience. But on the flip side, how do we uh, continue to, re to regulate those? How do we continue to explain some of those things? I have thoughts. I'm not sure I have uh, uh, solutions. No, my, my thought is that the, the rate of change in technology is dizzying. 
to a point where any regulation you come up with could easily be defeated by the next wave of technology that comes into play. I think it's going to become a lot more challenging to effectively regulate AI. From my perspective, I think a light touch is probably preferable to something that is heavy-handed simply because this is a global phenomenon. If we have some regulation, let's say within, within the UK, RTU, it's not necessary that other countries would opt for the same form of regulation. And what that does is to give them a leg up. So I think there's also this arms race when it comes to AI that needs to be uh, kept in mind. So I think regulators have a very tough task in front of them. Um, on one hand, they want to make sure that AI is being used for you know, the right purposes. At the same time, you don't want to be so heavy-handed that you're basically handicapping your own, own economy. I think that's that's going to be a challenge. One thing that I, I take a little bit of comfort in is that a lot of these technologies are geared towards helping individual consumers. Whereas think of past technologies, like even AI before Gen AI, a lot of these technologies were used by large organizations to benefit those organizations, not necessarily benefit individuals. But generative AI is, is a different beast altogether. It's a technology that puts vast amount of intelligence and knowledge in the hands of consumers. So from that perspective, I've, I would say that I'm not as concerned about not having the regulation because the technology itself is favoring consumers now. Brilliant. Power to the people. And the regulatory challenge or the sort of the, the fragmentation perhaps of, perhaps of the, the regulatory future within this space has probably got some parallels to, to the world that I'm currently in on, on a cross-border transactional landscape where, you know, regulation is often domestically or regionally led and driven and doesn't necessarily or easily transfer into other jurisdictions. E even within the Eurozone, we see the difference between directives versus regulation, which means certain countries might implement something in slightly different ways. And, and I imagine that this is going to be a very similar, if not larger, challenge for particularly the highly regulated financial services space on a global basis with lots of emerging use cases with a technology that that needs to be explained in certain cases. This sounds like a real challenge going forward for us as, as an industry. I think even beyond the industry level, many governments are realizing that generative AI could be a powerful tool in their arsenal and they're looking to gain competitive advantage. That creates interesting dynamics in terms of how regulation will evolve in different parts of the world. And I would not be surprised if regulation takes a bit of a backseat towards focus more on competitive advantage and companies trying to outdo each other. I think those forces will dominate and regulation might take a bit of a backseat towards that. And I'll come back to that point about companies outdoing each other and, and how that might be enabled through a, a, a regulatory lens. Actually, that's really interesting. Just before we come to that, I think the other thing that I've also thought about in this future of generative AI, AI space is this idea of generative AI being used to combat generative AI, particularly in the fraud space. You could well imagine a system that is uh, built on uh, generative AI tooling that allows itself to create new ways to combat new emerging fraud examples and activities over time. Is that realistic? Is it possible? This is one thing I, I see that people don't uh, pay a whole lot of attention to. To me, the phrase I like to use is two can play the game. So the focus is always on one party using generative AI to do something. But what they don't understand is that whatever party they're negotiating with or interacting with or competing against, they can do the same exact thing. So that creates completely different dynamics. 
like with respect to, for example, fraud, like KYC, AML, I see generative AI actually making existing approaches completely obsolete because it's so easy now to create uh, deep fakes so that pretty much all the KYC processes we had in place will become not usable. And so I think, yes, you can use generative AI to come up with better KYC, better AML procedures, but ones who want to defeat that also have access to the same technology, right? And they can as easily try and beat whatever you're trying to do. There's always going to be this cat and mouse game, which I think will be really interesting to see. And actually, if we bring, maybe bring this back to some of the current challenges across financial organizations um, around the world, again, there are probably some parallels to the emergence of fintech in the sort of the early, mid-2000s, late-2000s, and their ability to operate, to disrupt at a pace of change that perhaps some other types of, of, of more traditional or less digitally progressed financial organizations were were able to compete with at that stage. You know, I think we've gone beyond that first wave. If I look at financial services, we are very much in that era of cooperation and collaboration now. But I guess with that cost of intelligence coming down closer and closer to zero, this perhaps starts to change the game again across financial services and will be able to provide technology companies with an ability to get new disruptive technologies to market in record time and at record cost, perhaps. Low cost, obviously. Well, I, I think some significant implications to the, to the finance sector with generative AI because of the fact that it's, it drives the cost of intelligence to zero. Now, if you think about vast majority of the work that's actually done in these organizations, it's basically human cognitive tasks. It's not an industry that is creating any physical products per se, right? So there's not automation from that perspective. And that's exactly what Gen AI is looking to automate. So I know people say that AI or generative AI will not uh, result in job losses, but will transform jobs. I'm not so optimistic, at least in the short term. Lot of things that the white-collared folks in this organizations do can be automated by and large. At, at the moment, we are, we are um, pretty good at automating tasks, not entire jobs, but that will change. Um, so. From an employment perspective, at least in the short run, I'm pessimistic about uh, how the finance sector will look in the next uh, few years. I think there'll be a lot of pain, unfortunately. And this is a really refreshing level of candidness, Ram. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, there are probably many more people that would take a slightly more optimistic or slash hopeful uh, view of the near-term future, but but you're, you're totally, totally right to call out some of the realities of what emerging technologies like Gen, I, Gen AI can actually bring. Right. You know, in the, I'm, I'm optimistic from a long-term perspective. It's just that I think we will go through period of pain before we get to the promised land. I'm not a Luddite. I'm not against technology at all. But these are the realities of what the technology is and what the implications might be. And I guess that then comes back to your point that you made earlier, that this idea of companies outdoing each other, I imagine from a, a, a cost of, of uh, the workforce, will be another key contributing factor to that specific race or, or, or competition between organizations who can adapt quickest, who can adopt the, these new technologies in the most cost-effective and, and compelling ways for their customer base. Yeah. And I also think that in this vast general knowledge compressed into this AI systems, how do you gain a competitive advantage? You gain a competitive advantage if you have some bespoke intelligence, bespoke knowledge that's unique to your organization, right? So I think that's what organizations will and should 
look to leverage to gain the competitive advantage. So my last question was going to be, how can and should organizations in the here and now, specifically in financial services, cut through this hype to really capitalize on some of the opportunities here? And that idea of bespoke knowledge sounds like a really compelling first idea. Well, I think even before that, Piers, I think the elephant in the room to me is that employees in most organizations are actually using generative AI. Uh, there are probably both uh, benefits and risks of doing that. So the first thing I would recommend to organizations is to manage the process, empower them, give them guidelines, uh, provide proper training. I think that's where you start. And to me, the fascinating thing about innovation is that once you put this much power in individuals, the creative ideas can come from anywhere in the organization. It doesn't have to be top-down. It doesn't have to be coming only from the R&D groups. So I think that's a, a new realization from my perspective. I think beyond that, the rate of change is really rapid. I don't think there's anyone who can keep up with all of what's happening in the tech space and what the implications of that for the sector would be. What I would suggest is to empower within your organizations, local groups, local units to experiment, uh, create pilot projects and use them as proof of concept to figure out what's the direction of travel in terms of what are potentially valuable applications of GNI within the larger organization. Amazing. Love that. Ram, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Really, really fascinating discussion. I feel like we could probably go and do a few more hours of podcasts in various different dimensions here. But huge, huge thank you for bringing both AI and generative AI now and in the future to life for, for me and I know for our listeners as well. For anyone who wants to reach out, where can they find you online? Just hit the Warwick Business School website and you will, they will find me. You'll find access to my research and you also get a lot of information about the Gilmore Center for uh, Financial Technology. So if anyone is interested in uh, working with us, collaborating with us, you're more than welcome. Amazing. Thank you. So thank you for coming on and joining me today. Really, really appreciate it. And to all of our listeners, thank you again for choosing to tune in to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. Thanks for joining us here on Payments Innovation. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas about the show. Connect with Currency Cloud on Twitter or LinkedIn to find out more. And remember to subscribe via your favorite podcast player. Until next time.